on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. your tolerance but lecture me is there no end to your own hypocrisy your god is power you have no shame your only interest is political gain you hide your eyes and refuse to listen you play your game coming up next america can we talk with your host debbie georgiatos And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I am so happy to be back in this studio in Dallas, Texas. After a lengthy break, I'm so glad to be in the studio with a wonderful guest I'll introduce in just a moment. Uh, love these Thursday shows. Thank you for tuning in. I want to say a very quick thank you to a couple of people, a couple of entities. One is Brighteon TV, and I'm going to spell that for you, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-O-N dot TV. Brighteon TV carries this show. And if you go to Brighteon TV, you don't have to add .com.org. It says Brighteon.tv. You can watch this show live. You can watch past shows. Uh, all my past shows are cataloged there. Um, and I appreciate them very much because they're trying to give voice to conservatives who don't have as many outlets available as some on the left. So I want to thank Brighteon TV. I encourage you to check out all the shows there. But mine's the best one, but you can still check out the other ones. I also want to thank Real News PR, this studio that I have in Dallas. They allowed me or enabled me to do the show on our rather lengthy trip this summer. We did two weeks in Europe uh, where we did the Band of Brothers tour. We followed the path of American soldiers from London all the way two weeks later to where uh, Hitler was hiding out in Germany in the Bavarian Alps. So we had a, a wonderful time then, and then we also spent a lengthy time away uh, visiting family in California. So I feel like I should say I'm back in America now because I, we were in California. But anyway, I want to thank Real News PR and my producer, Emilio Diaz, for making all that uh, remote stuff possible. I also told the music we play at the beginning of this show, which has come to really identify the show, uh, is music by Krista Branch. I am America. The words, I'm going to read the words sometime to you in this show. It's just stellar words about the idea. Essentially, America, you are America, the American citizens who speak up and stand up for their country and who give voice to the ideas they care about. You are America. America is not, I mean, we are the leaders under the Constitution's contemplation. We are the sovereign. So in America, moving forward, the job of the patriots is to stand up and speak up for this country. So I want to thank those three and then turn to tell you about our guest today. So he's been on the show at least one I think twice. But in any case, uh, this happens to be my congressman, but he's a first-term member of the United States Congress uh, from the great state of Texas. He represents uh, CD3, Congressional District 3. And uh, so we're going to talk mostly about what's happening in Washington and um, how a lot of people just want the conservatives to fix everything very quickly. That can't happen, but we're going to talk about Washington. But before we do that, I want to tell you a little bit about his background because he brings a great deal of uh, serious and relevant experience uh, to uh, his role in Washington. So he's in his first term, and I'm going to talk to him more about this. What a, first, what a time to join Congress at this point in American history. We'll talk about that. But in any case, prior to that, he's a graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point. Uh, he served a 25-year career of service to our country in the military. Uh, he had Army tours that include the Airborne Infantry Platoon Leader, Airborne Infantry Company Commander, Special Forces Detachment Commander, Special Forces Company Commander. He has served in Europe, the Middle East, the Pentagon, like another foreign country, the Pentagon. Um, he's been to Grenada, Bosnia, Afghanistan, and served in Iraqi freedom. So I could go on about the military experience, but, but you know, it did not a quick two-year stint, but a lengthy stint of service to this country. He finished that and came home. But the next really stellar thing he did involved serving, serving as county judge here in the great state of Texas, uh, the county where I live, Collin County. Uh, and we have the form of government here, which is just basically a county commissioner's court. It's four elected people, plus the head is the county judge. And that is kind of like the city council is to a city, 
county commissioner's court is to the county. And he was, in fact, I called a mutual friend of ours before the show today because she lived in that county to say, I know everyone says he was great. We didn't live there yet. I said, so I was asking her, you know, why he was so beloved as a county commissioner. And she mentioned two things. One is he cut taxes. Thank goodness he actually worked at cutting taxes because people say they run on that, but they don't really do it. And secondarily, she's talked about the idea that as many, many cities and counties and governments face, there is a huge threat to the future of their budget due to the fact that we have pension programs that are available to have been given to public employees. And these were a time bomb. They are a time bomb in many cities and counties because we build up the duty to, to fund these retirement, these pension plans. And then you have a whole a slew of people all getting off uh, full-time work and they're, they get the pension they believe they've been earned, but the, simply, the simple fact is in many cases, they're grotesquely overfunded. They're can't be, can't be paid out. There isn't the money to pay them. And the cities and county governments are having to deal with that. And her comment about Kisoff was, this is a guy who actually explained that to the citizens. He explained why we have a problem and how serious a problem is and what must be done to try to solve it. So I love that in a public servant to try to explain to people who don't otherwise necessarily have the reason to know why various serious changes in policy may need to happen, why cuts in funding may need to happen, cuts in payments. So that was a long introduction because I really am impressed with and grateful for inducing now my congressman and our guest today on America Can We Talk, Congressman Keith Self. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you for having me. That was a little long, because that was the nice part, because I want to dive in and have you explain what's happening to this country. That, that's my goal here. So no, on a serious note, I'm really grateful you could be here. Um, and I, I have a bunch of issues I want to hit on. And um, I'm just going to go in no particular order. But right before we started today, I'll let me back up and say one more thing. I think there are so many American citizens, actually informed patriots, not people who aren't very involved, but they do remember to vote, but really informed patriots who are concerned about the direction of this country. And they're concerned about the uh, Biden administration broadly speaking, in, in many things that the Biden administration does. One has to do with the, is now four pieces of litigation against former President Trump. One is civil litigation in New York, but still three pieces of litigation uh, going after President Trump over January 6th, criminal prosecution, going after the Mar-a-Lago documents case and the Georgia case. And there is a sense from people that these, this litigation is just simply political and not legitimate. What's your read on that? Uh, absolutely, it's political. They will stop at nothing to keep him off of the ballot uh, because there's uh, only one of the, the candidates that they truly fear, and that's uh, President Trump. Let's go back to phone calls to Ukraine. President Trump got impeached over a phone call to Ukraine. President Biden made a phone call that actually got a public prosecutor fired. Nothing was said about it. Uh, that's how much they fear President Trump. Uh, that is a great analogy. That's a great analogy because, you know, the Ukraine situation, what President Trump was calling about was the conduct engaged in by then Correct. Vice President Biden. And he was saying, you think you ought to look into this. So that was impeachable. Right. But nothing that's being uncovered now, it seems to be moving the Congress toward impeaching Biden. It, it, the, the double standard of justice is kind of screaming. Well, the double standard of justice is correct, but there are reams of evidence coming out on the Biden family. Uh, we now know there were 20 shell companies when he was vice president. We now know he got at least 16 payments from Romania while he was vice president. We now know that at least nine, and I think it's going to grow to 12, family members were receiving payments from uh, that region of the world. Uh, so there are reams of data coming out. That's why the Ways and Means Committee is actually part of the investigating uh, plethora of committees. Why? Because they can get the tax documents, they can get the re bank records. Thank goodness. So that region of the world me includes, I hadn't heard Romania, I can't believe I missed that, but Ukraine, Russia, Romania, is that? Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe, former uh, Soviet Union uh, republics plus Russia. You know, it's always a problem when the incumbent president, obviously his, he has chosen the officers that lead all the agencies. So he's chosen the head of the Department of Justice. He's chosen the head of the FBI. So usually in America, if this level of corruption was exposed, 
you would hope and expect that the DOJ would jump in and say, well, we better investigate this. And beside that, the congressional committees governed by Republican majority are uncovering this. Have you, do you have any sense that the DOJ is trying to look into any of this? No, but the State Department says they have four audits going on the money and the weapons in Ukraine. In uh, several hearings with the State Department, I've tried to uncover exactly what they've done. As far as I know, and they referred me to a report, they have no results yet. They just, have, they just say, we're doing, we're doing audits. Uh, well, an audit with no results is not an audit. We want to see the results. Where is the money going? I couldn't agree more. That's a good chance to leap into Ukraine, except I'm gonna I will come back to Biden later. It is a very uh, difficult strategic decision, I think, for Congress to say, you know, we are actually going to go after impeaching this guy. It, it is difficult for them. I will come back to that later. But I do think there's, and I mentioned at the start of this, there, there are voters around this country, well-informed, well-educated, serious voters who are saying, what more does Biden have to do before the Congress takes action and get him out of there? And there are many pragmatic, oh, let's just go ahead and go there. Many pragmatic consequences. But one is, then who becomes president? Well, that's one. And then the second is, if you move toward impeachment and you are the House and you have a slim Republican majority, you need to have, it would be really a fall flat on its face if there were an announcement for a vote to move toward impeachment and you couldn't get the Republican majority to get, go along with you. Where do you think we stand on that? Uh, I don't know. The uh, speaker has said that uh, impeachment inquiry, which is the next level of investigation, is the natural next step. But he's also said he wants to take a vote simply to move to impeachment inquiry. Do we need 218 votes to go to impeachment inquiry? I don't think so. I think you ought to declare it and move forward and see where that takes us, because that gives us additional authority to do investigations into the Biden family. So that's the reason to do this, to go to the next phase of impeachment inquiry, more gives information. You more subpoena, more investigative authority. So, I mean, I'm always hearing about vote counting in Washington. Wouldn't Speaker McCarthy be able to go around or have someone go around privately and make sure he has the votes before he would make it public? Wouldn't he, couldn't he do that? Uh, absolutely, that's called whipping votes. Wh yeah. and, and he should whip the votes. Uh, but I think it, the, the declaration of an impeachment inquiry is his decision. I think he ought to do it without a vote. And then we do the additional investigation and then we see where we stand. Yeah. You know, what's the craziest thing. I mean, <laughs> that, I like that point, by the way. I like just just ask Speaker McCarthy to go ahead and make the declaration launch forward and then and then see where we get. It just seems like in this. And I know I'm going back to my earlier point, but it seems like, you know, Trump can get impeached twice over in both cases in my view nothing nothing impeachable and and yet you have this just seeming criminal enterprise that is the biden family receiving at least according to uh, representative comer in the range of it's like 30 million 30 to 50 million dollars somehow making its way to his family the the biden family and and we're not sure if we should move what, what else is going on there well the doj will should be investigating and doing their own indictment. They're not. The, the Congress is the legislative branch. Yeah. We're doing the investigation to move toward <clears throat> impeachment because as the legislative branch, all we can do is impeach. Right. Now, those people that say, why would you impeach when the Senate won't convict? I say, let's do our job. Uh, the Senate will do <clears throat> what the Senate does. The House needs to do our job. Well, the other, other great thing about impeachment is you can have an impeachment, you have the proceedings in the House. I mean, anytime you're proceeding, more people hear the evidence, more people right. go, oh, I didn't know that. Right. They sometimes, if you don't pay close attention to the kind of political noise, they're saying, no, the House is saying, no, actually, this is pretty solid stuff here. Right. Yeah, okay. Let's turn to the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. You know, I know um, Americans are divided about what we do, and there's a whole concern about how aggressive Putin may be and whether the Ukraine... Uh, you know, we should be leaping and defending them because they were attacked. On the other hand, we've been sending a lot of money and a lot of equipment to the Ukraine. And so where, where are we on that? And, and well, I'll get to the next concern I mentioned before the show. But with respect to sending money, is, and I, I know I think McConnell just said yesterday, and we're not, and Biden isn't funding Ukraine fast enough. Senator McConnell said that. Are we funding them fast enough? What's going on there? Well, he is giving them enough not to lose. He's not giving them enough to win. Uh, that having been said, Russia has, uh, has uh, revealed itself as incompetent. Uh, and Putin is now in danger himself. 
So I will make the point, we don't want Russia to fracture, okay? Setting that aside, uh, I think R Europe can now handle uh, supplying Ukraine with what they need. Uh, and I think we ought to let them do it because not only are, are the, uh, the Europeans on the front line, we need to pivot to China. And that is a major issue that plays into the Ukraine-Russia question. It certainly does. From I did my show, I was telling you before, I did my show from California when we mm -hmm. were gone. I had Gordon Chang on, the ah, China expert. Right. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> I was thinking during the show, you should make every American force them to listen to him. Just understand how serious China is. So back to Ukraine, mm -hmm. one more thing about that. We've sent a lot of equipment there. Mm -hmm. Is this what you're describing a minute ago? You said State Department is trying to chronicle what happened to the equipment in the Ukraine? No, no? I was asking them about the money because we have military equipment and we have direct financial support. Yeah. The direct financial support was what I was trying to get at. Okay. And I will, uh, I will tell you, we're now on the 44th Presidential Drawdown Authority of military equipment. Uh, this Congress has authorized nothing for Ukraine. I voted against the Ukraine amendments because I think we need to pivot to China to include the 300 million for, uh, for Ukraine. And now uh, uh, the Secretary of State has committed another billion dollars to, uh, to Ukraine. Where's he gonna get that money? Congress hasn't approved it. Congress hasn't appropriated it. Well, this is exactly my question. I feel like the war being conducted, at least in Biden's mind, uh, they don't seem to think they need a lot of congressional agreement. Isn't that right? President Biden considers Congress irrelevant. This year, he signed four bills into law. He's issued 12 executive orders. He basically thinks Congress is irrelevant. That's why we've got to use the power of the purse in the upcoming appropriations fight. Yeah. Okay. I, something I was going to tell you, by the way, I meant to say in the introduction. So um, just because of having been involved in a bunch of things, I have a good friend who works in Washington and he's this Uber insider. So I call him once in a while and say, can you explain to me something? <laughs> so I called him from California and he was telling me all about the budget fight. And he was telling me about um, several issues and he and he did not know he moved to Collin County. He still thought I was in Dallas County. He goes, and the only good fighter in the North Texas Congressional um, whole delegation is that Keith Self. He's great. Who was, <laughs> I said, that's great. He's my congressman. But he really was praising you for a number of things with respect to being serious about the budget, mm -hmm. trying to make, trying to say we're not just going to concede on the budget. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he loved in, in the initial selection of the speaker when you okay. held strong and said right. we have some concessions. You got a great compliment. Too bad I can't tell you who it is. But he, but he was just saying you're a very, very serious um, leader in those okay. kind of issues. So we are getting around to the budget fight this fall. Oh, my gracious. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip that for a while and go back to one other thing. So Ukraine, we got we to gotta pivot away, leave it to Europe. Do you, and I told you before we started, I had um, Tucker Carlson said he thinks that the Biden administration is so desperate to hold on to power that they will actually provoke a war with American involvement with Russia on behalf of Ukraine just to kind of pivot America away from his failures, give us a common enemy. He believes. Do you think the Biden administration, do you have any reason to think they're thinking about doing that? No, no, not really. And listen, we do not want war with Russia. Once Amen. you release the dogs of war, you have no idea where they go. Uh, we do not want to start a war with Russia. They may be a gas station masquerading as a sovereign nation, but they're also a third world power with nuclear weapons. Yes. We do not want to provo provoke that war. Okay, so if there were, there haven't been declarations of war by Congress in a while, but that That's will right. certainly not be backed by the Congress if, if Biden were to go in that direction. I can't imagine the circumstances. Yeah. Absent of Pearl Harbor, I can't imagine the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so that was Ukraine. I want to turn um, to China since you mentioned it mm -hmm. uh, and, and about uh, some of the things that Gordon Chang was saying. Um, you know, I think with China, we thought for a long time, we in America thought, well, you know, they're, they have... It's, I don't know how many billion people now they have. 1.3. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people over there. And, um, you know, it's a big country and they are rock, they're locked on being, you know, hardcore communists. The current uh, CCP um, has said statements within the last couple of years. They've had statements about the idea that they intend to be the world's single superpower. 
Um, and there were, in fact, three documents. I went over with Gordon Chang in detail. They were CCP statements, leaders of the, of the Chinese Communist Party, um, generals writing books about it, how we're going to take down America. Do you take that as a serious threat that China actually thinks they will be the single superpower they will overcome America? It won't happen, but they're serious about it. First of all, they're going to lose a major part of their population in the next 30 years. They've stopped. Uh, their birth rate is horrible. Their economy is in trouble, and Xi Jinping has also reestablished a command economy. They used to have a balanced uh, kind of capitalism, kind of not capitalism. He has reestablished a total command economy, and uh, they will not uh, overtake America as the number one economy in the world. But that makes them dangerous in the short term. Uh, they are absolutely serious, and, and supposedly their first target would be Taiwan. Uh, and he has said that he will take Taiwan by force if necessary. I try to take people at their word. Uh, so we need to be thinking deterrence of China. We don't want to go to war with China any more than Russia. We need to be bolstering our military, though, so we can actually deter those warlike sentiments. Love that. There was a book I was thinking about when I was, my last question, was, it's called Unrestricted Warfare, and it was written by these two Chinese generals <clears throat> in like 1998 or something like that. Um, and they were basically saying, you know, we don't even have to have military war with America. We can take them down, and they lay out a series of ideas how they can attack us. It is culturally, ideologically, it's economically, it's a whole way of conducting a war without firing a bullet. I'm That's assuming... happening now. Exactly. We are okay. at war with China today. Economically, uh, diplomatically, they're trying to isolate Taiwan diplomatically. They're trying to set up an alternate, uh, alternate uh, payment system to the reserve currency, which, the U which is the U.S. dollar. There is already at least one country that's buying their oil in denominations not the U.S. dollar. Yeah. The U.S. dollar has always been the petrodollar. It no longer is. If the BRICS have their way, they will set up an alternate reserve currency for the world. I don't think it will be successful, because what do we have that most people in the world don't? The rule of law. You don't invest your money unless you have some sort of trust that it, you'll get it back. The U.S. Treasury bond is still the foundation of the international market, the international financial system. If we lose that, we're, we are in trouble, but I don't think we will because of the rule of law. Okay, I love the rule of law. It kind of harkens back, though. It's a good segue into our January 6th situation um, and who gets prosecuted and who doesn't. Um, but on the strength of the dollar and all that argument, there was an effort by the Biden administration to say central bank digital currency, they're doing their floating examples of they're trying to move there toward the idea that, you know, we need to have more. It's being sold as we're making life easier for you. You don't need to carry around that silly cash. You'll just have digital currency. And this was the Biden administration initiative. It's underway in, in um, I don't know how many banks, but underway. So what's your reaction to all of that? And I'm sorry, I didn't tell you I was going to talk about this today, but you know, you, I'm familiar I, with I it. I think it was Benjamin Franklin said, those that trade temporary security, uh, freedom for temporary security deserve neither. And that's what you would be trading. Almost digital, they would have absolutely total visibility over all of your finances. You do not want that. Oh, I know we don't. So do you think there's strong enough sentiment, sentiment in Congress to try to stop this in I some way? I think there is. Uh, it, it is an issue. We're watching it carefully. We get briefings on it. Uh, we're going to have to head it off at the pass, though, because they're going to make an effort. Oh, they are. I mean, this is kind of a, it's an, it seems like an all-out assault on America by this administration in so many, in so many ways. I mean, central bank digital currency, as I say, in many leftist ideas, sold as convenience. We're helping you out. This will be so nice. Not recognizing it'll be like China. They'll have control of your spending, knowing where you spent and, and whether you have access to your money, if it goes all the way to where it's intended to be. And, uh, and so I hope, I would love to hear some voices out of Congress just saying, don't even think about it. Well, that's only one area. They basically have said, you're going to buy an electric vehicle by 2032. <laughs> you're going to, they're after your air conditioning, your gas stove, it goes on and on. They are throwing everything up against the wall to try to get people to bow to the federal government. Uh, and as soon as you hold the federal government as absolutely the supreme power, you've lost your freedom. We answer to a higher power that is almighty God that has designed this the freedom in our hearts, and I believe that at the end, freedom wins. I do not believe they will be successful. 
I agree they won't be. I, I agree they won't be. I still think in America, the vast majority of the citizens, even on both sides of the aisle, they want the America of freedom. They want the rule of law. They want to have a reliable, private, capitalist economy, not a government. They want all the things that America's always had. But many of the things the left is trying to sell, they, they don't sell by telling you, here's where we're headed. You know, they, they tell you more of a story along the way. And, and they, it's to frighten you also with respect to COVID and COVID things. You're afraid, you're waiting to be told what to do. And pretty soon, the whole dynamic between government and citizenry has shifted to where you're just waiting to be told what's okay and, and whether you have your freedom. Back to January 6th, who's the real target of all of these cases? It's the American public. Yeah. You won't stand on the street corner and let your voice be known anymore because the FBI might send 20 vehicles to your door, break it down, send an armored vehicle to your door uh, and take you into custody. The real target is the American people. Uh, but I think there's an awakening in America today. When you, I think we are done with COVID restrictions. We see pushback against ESG and investing. BlackRock has even uh, kind of uh, disavowed it. Uh, and it goes on. I think we see an awakening. We need to encourage that. I agree on encouraging the awakening, and I agree it's happening. You know, people talked about when COVID came along. Well, the one good thing that came out of COVID was that more parents became aware that the kids are learning in school. Absolutely. And they started to think for the first time, why is it okay for the government to tell me I can't open my business, or I must wear a mask, or I must not go outside, or I must stand six feet away? If I, want, if I think for myself as an adult, it's not part of the contract between the people and the government in America. It caused people to start to think about liberty more than they, than they had really in decades and, and maybe in, in 100 years. I hope so because the COVID restrictions were also the, probably the greatest expansion of government authority in my lifetime. Uh, and people bowed to it for a while. I don't think they will again. Uh, and that's when they started being called domestic terrorists because they went to a school board meeting. That didn't sit well. Uh, so I think there's, uh, there's a movement. You know, I tell you, I, I see all these conversations like this on social media and political events and such. I think the American people in some cases are, I, I'm talking about the, certainly the majority of Republicans. I even think the majority of Americans overall they want America to be what's supposed to be, but they can't figure out how to force it along in that direction. You know, they, they feel frustrated with, they, they get lashed onto one issue, say, I'm gonna fight for whatever it is, against critical race theory in public schools or against gender lunacy in public schools. They get on one, but they, they, the only voice I'm aware of at the national level really kind of seeing everything that people wanna hear is Donald Trump. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, I don't know where you are in the, about next year and what happens in the presidency, but I think it, it contributes to his, the draw people feel toward him because he's at least saying, these are big problems and this is America and what they're doing is wrong. Do you have thought about that? Donna Brazil just recently said, we need to take, he, she's a Democrat, a oh, big liberal. <laughs> yeah, she is. She, she said recently, we need to take Donald Trump seriously because he's talking to the people and she said, I think that's a movement, exactly what we've been saying. Yeah, I've started calling it on my show and, in, and other things I'm doing the, as a patriot movement. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it got easy for people on the conservative side to say, oh, we're the grassroots. Or, but that quickly became, well, you know, grassroots, that's kind of, you know, that might be kind of people who aren't super well informed and, you yeah. know, they're more outraged than informed or something. But it's just a patriotic movement that says we want what America's supposed to be. That's what we want. Okay, I want to go back to January 6th and really dive in here. So there's a couple in Texas who were on my show sometime, I think late last spring, maybe in the summertime. And they, um, they are farmers. They are not, um, they were not even particularly uh, politically active people. Uh, Jaleese and Mark Middleton, I don't know if you ever heard about their case at all. Do you know about them at all? Slightly. Okay, so here's a quick story, because I want to get to what's happening to them. Right. It's a microcosm of both the point about what the government's doing to people who dare challenge them, and also what do we do about it. So they basically, not political, liked Donald Trump, believed the election of 2020 was stolen, went to Washington January 6th. 
they were on the Capitol grounds. They didn't even get near the physical building. They're on the Capitol grounds and they were praying and they were, they had their heads bowed slightly, they had their eyes closed. Some complete stranger joined them because you could see, and they were praying for America and, you know, justice and, mm -hmm. and you know, God's uh, intervening on behalf of the American people and all that. So they, they were earnestly praying. Some Capitol Police officer came along with a billy club and hit, I forget which one it was, hit one of them. They're trying to get away, push him away, and that's all they wanted to do was push him away. And they got sprayed with, um, uh, what's that stuff called? Tear gas, mace. Yeah, tear gas, yeah. And they literally, they couldn't even see the guy, grab them, pull them away. The interaction was under 20 seconds. Recorded by the helmet camera of this officer, who then said that they initiated it, that, that you know they started pushing him when really he was hitting them. So anyway, I'm getting the point. They didn't go in the Capitol. They're just, they're just really heart of, you know, heart of America, solid Christians. They came to our home telling the story, like crying about what was going to happen to them. They had their trial date set in August, this like last month. They, it, they got put off, but they're both facing 20 years in prison because they can, the DOJ can cook up charges that, and they can compound one incident, one action into numerous charges. So anyway, they're, they're headed. And I think there's those kind of cases and there are many more like them. The American people are waiting for someone to do something. And I want to, what can Congress do? Well, I want to point out, first of all, that DOJ works for the executive branch. Yes. And the federal court in D.C. is known to be very liberal. So you have a very liberal DOJ. You've got a very liberal court. And it is, you talk about a microcosm. D.C. is the microcosm of liberalism. And that's the problem. <laughs> Congress is the legislative branch, so we can scream and holler all we want to, uh, but the investigation is taking place, which is the formal way to do it. The investigation is taking place on the weaponization of the federal government, and believe you me, J6 is a big part of that committee's investigation. Okay, but isn't the DOJ's conduct bad enough that you, you Congress, members of Congress should be talking about defunding or holding back funding? Absolutely, and we're talking about that. DHS, uh, Department of Homeland Security, and DOJ are two of the major targets of the power of the purse during this, this uh, debate. And I will tell you, Debbie, when we get back uh, next week, it's going to get real serious real fast. Because I believe that, if you remember right, there were 20 people in January that stood for conservatism. There were 21 that wrote, uh, 29 that voted against the rule on the debt ceiling bill. 71 Republicans voted against the debt ceiling bill that the leadership did with the White House. And I think we see more people today that are willing to take strong stands using the power of the purse. That's exactly what we ought to be doing. That is our power. It is, and that's what I wanna harp on a little bit here, because you know, I was talking about how there's just a rising sense in America, what in the heck's happening to our country? Right. Who's in charge? And I know, I understand, actually, I remember from law school, clearly three branches of government, yeah, I know this, <laughs> and, and I, I know that the DOJ is controlled by, it's in, in part of the executive branch, and they are, you know, they have the power to, and the, the obligation to enforce, to enforce the law, that's what they're supposed to do. But to me, this DOJ, especially when you contrast the way they're treating people who protested the vast majority of them peacefully, and, and even the ones who entered Congress, who entered the physical capital. In fact, you probably saw that shaman, I can't remember the full guy's name, the shaman guy who wears the, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. And, and he, he got a long sentence, a fairly long sentence, and then finally the tapes were released and showed the Capitol Police were walking him around inside the Capitol. Right. Let me tell you a story from Collin County. Four women, all friends, went to January 6th. They were nowhere near the Capitol. They saw some tear gas. When they get home, three of them post on social media, pictures, stories. One of them did not. The three got visited by FBI because they were following, they found them on social media. Yep. There was no other reason for the FBI to come to their house. That is intimidation. That is not law enforcement. Oh, it is intimidation. And your point earlier, maybe it's even before we got started, but. The point is not just to make these people, the particular defendants in these cases, feel afraid to protest. It's a message to all of us right. to say, don't you think about challenging this administration. That's don't correct. you even think about it. That's right. And so that mentality, it gets around to what I'm I saying, what the, in the hearts and minds of so many American people. They want a big 
shift in the culture or the mindset. They want a, if you will, a great reset of what the government believes its job is. I mean, the DOJ is acting on behalf of the, the Biden administration to silence anyone who would dare speak against them. Those people shouldn't have jobs anymore at the DOJ when a new administration comes in. Well, we need to be cutting funding because there's only a couple of things that the Biden administration understands. One is impeachment. One is uh, uh, contempt of Congress. And they do react to subpoenas occasionally. So all of that is power. They only respond to the power of Congress. And we've got to use the power of Congress, which is both the investigation, the subpoena, contempt of Congress, and the power of the purse to change it. We're going to have to get some more Republicans to join the team here, though. So um, how do all the happy listeners out here get more Republicans to join the team? I mean, shouldn't they be writing to their own congressmen saying, stand up already? A republic cannot survive without an informed and engaged citizenry. I think that's a truism. So everybody that's listening needs to get involved in every way they can. Find friends to go with you. In the Army, I learned a long time ago, you go to a fight, you take as many friends with you as possible and be engaged. Uh, every, every elected official ought to be hearing from you. Federal on down. Absolutely true. And, you know, I will say the Biden administration understands only you know, the threat of, of impeachment or, right. I mean, hopefully, I would think, honestly, the conduct he's engaged in might even lead to criminal charges at some day, but that's not a story for another day. That's a different DOJ. Yeah, clearly not this DOJ. I want to go turn to the FBI in one moment. But even members of Congress, you know, people say, I sent an email, I sent a letter, but I do think when there's an overwhelming message to a member of Congress, you won't be here anymore unless you start listening. And, and they start to fear the primary challenger, fear the, the, the loss of funding, fear the public embarrassment. When they go, I mean, that is what is needed is, is some, some of these people who want to just sit back and sit on the fence and say, well, I don't really think we ought to, you know, to be too harsh here. The people want the Republicans in Washington to rise up and stand up for them. This is where I want to encourage people to do that because the power in this country still relies, uh, resides with the people if they used it. Uh, they, they hold the power, just use it, get engaged. Uh, start, a, start a group, write to your, your elected officials, pick somebody to, to fund a campaign. Uh, just get engaged, that's, that's what it takes. Uh, and just to encourage the people, just do it. And it, people ask me, how can I do it? I don't know. Take something that interests you, find a candidate you can support, a topic you can support, uh, an issue you can support, and just do it. Every little bit helps. Every little bit does. And you know something else? People assume, well, all these people involved in politics, they're so much smarter, they're better informed, I'll be afraid, I'll say something's incorrect. They should, people should not worry about that. I mean, do get informed, do read and such, but you don't have to understand every aspect of some issue to be a spokesman, you, a spokesperson. You stand up and if you get a fact wrong, you can be told and then you fix it. But don't wait until you know everything, because that by then you'll be, it'll be all over. One of the original brains of the conservative movement, Bill Buckley, yeah. said at one time, and I may get this a little bit wrong, I would rather be governed by the first 200 names in the phone book than the administration. Yeah. That's the idea. You, you have what it takes. If you're a law-abiding citizen, run for office. Find something to run for. Absolutely true. Also related to that, I want to hit on the FBI and the prison situation on January 6th. Mm -hmm. You know, on the FBI, so the Department of Justice, you know, the lawyers, they investigate, they prosecute. The FBI is a bureau beneath the department. The FBI is part of the DOJ. FBI is, you know, the people breaking people's doors down. On the particular case I talked about, Mark and Jalise Middleton, they live on a farm. They didn't even know anyone was even investigating them until, and it wasn't just like a nice officer knocked on their door. It was 15 or 20 officers, right. heavily armed, right. big, I'm gonna say the wrong name of the weapon, but it wasn't you know, a handgun, it was a big weapon mm -hmm. and a tank in the street with a um, battering ram. And they were willing, you know, they, they said when they were arrested, you could have just knocked on the door. Right. But this happened to my friend, Dr. Simone Gold, her door, middle of the night, you know, knocked the door down. And these are tactics people used to associate, I don't mean melodramatic, but with the Stasi. So mm -hmm. isn't the FBI, and, and, and we also have the FBI essentially assaulting American citizens over January 6th. 
and pretty much can't even find anything to look into about most of the protests by Antifa and by Black Lives Matter. I right. mean, doesn't that agency need a massive clean out? Absolutely. Uh, I think the first thing we're going to do is not fund their huge new headquarters larger than the Pentagon. Uh, they've delayed so long that I think we can, we can take that money away. Uh, but I think it goes further than that. I think they do need a complete overhaul. And I think there's a move in Congress. Again, I don't know that there's 218 votes for it. Uh, but people are well aware of the FBI um, missteps. Missteps is a nice word. Right. It's a nice, I'm, I'm, not that, I'm not as nice as you, clearly. <laughs> They're agreeing. But, I, but seriously, I just, you know, when you have Christopher Wray sitting there testifying before Congress and just, to me, appearing to have a smirk, been asked yeah. questions like, you know, why is it you treat the January 6th people so differently than Antifa and Black Lives Matter people? I don't know what you're talking about. That was just kind of, that was, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, Mallorca says the border is secure, too. Yeah, we're going to get to the border in a second, a whole okay. other disaster. But, you know, I, I will tell you this cascade of, uh, of issues that seem to be the Biden administration. I, I've had national security experts talking on the show just saying it's like they took a battering ram to all of America the moment they arrived in the White House. So you see this. and. It's, you, can, you can get caught up on, well, it's just the border, or just January 6th, or just COVID policy, but it all ties together into a, a mindset of the left that's saying, we are going to radically trans, we're gonna have, trans, we're gonna tra radically transform this country. We're going to change into a country where people fear the government and you're all gonna, you know, you're, and we, we, this is what I think is making so many people in America politically active, they're saying, who the heck is standing up against this? You know, you unintentionally just almost quoted Barack Obama. And this is the third Obama term. A lot of the things that they started in his first two terms, they're now getting a lot further along in his third term, the third Obama term. And I will ask the American people, let's not have a fourth Obama term. Well, uh, yeah, you know, we didn't, um, I guess we didn't discuss talking about election fraud in this case, but in this show, but I will tell you that I think people get very fearful about the idea you could get, I mean, whoever your favorite candidate is for president on our side, you could get behind him, that person could win, you know, every primary in the country, but the people who manipulate elections, we may wake up the day after election and say, whoa, who knew? Now this time Biden got 110 million votes or, or some absurd thing. And I, so I think there's a, it's, it's another reason people are so concerned. How do we get our country back under control? Well, we're talking about five states. The same five states is in the last election. Most of them, maybe all of them are still governed by Democrats. Pennsylvania, for instance. Uh, now, we're not totally clean in this because our governor did change early voting, but our, our missteps are not as egregious as in Pennsylvania and the other states. When they, the governors unilaterally change election law in those states and they're still governed by Democrats, there's where we ought to be focused. Now, I filed a bill that says if you register someone for a federal election, you've got to show your citizenship papers, but that doesn't answer the election fraud issue. And I'm concerned about those five states because they could swing the election. Sure they could. Well, I will tell our listeners, we're going to have another election fraud uh, discussion in a few weeks, but we've had in the show many times Dr. Douglas Frank, Seth Keschel, mm -hmm. people with mounds of data right. trying to point out that the evidence is overwhelming that our elections are, my term, rigged. They're not just hacked later rigged, but whatever word you'd put on it, we don't have elections we can rely on. Okay, so the other thing about January 6th, I gotta go one more time. So there was a picture recently that was of a, a January 6th defendant sitting in jail in Washington, the, uh, lying down actually. The cell was tiny. I mean, tiny like, I don't know if he could stand up and put his arms out both ways. That kind of slim, tiny, a very, very flimsy looking mattress, toilet in the corner, and he's been there a long time. Are you concerned about the treatment of the January 6th prisoners in the jail system in Washington? And assuming you are, what the heck can Congress do about that? You realize you have described the cell that Sam Johnson, one of my predecessors, spent almost seven years in, in the Hanoi Hilton Alcatraz Annex uh, for almost seven years. Yes. You've described his cell as a prisoner of war of North Vietnam for almost seven years. Unconscionable. 
I think it's also unconstitutional. What can Congress do? I'm hoping that Jim Jordan and the weaponization of the federal government uh, committee is ready to take that on. You know, I, I hope that they are. I just, and the other more legal aspect of it is many of them have still not had due process. Many of them are, I mean, the, the, whatever the charges are that are supposed to be brought against them, there's been physical abuse we, I described in great grotesque, I've gone through it in great grotesque detail in the show, physical abuse. And it goes back again to this attitude shift that happened. It did start under Obama, for sure. Started under Obama, but under Biden, it is the mentality that we don't play game. We don't, we don't follow the normal protocol in America. We don't act like an American government. We will torture our political opponents and no one's going to do anything about it. This actually started under the Patriot Act, yeah. which was supposed to, that was under a Republican. Yes. It was supposed to be used internationally, not against Americans. That's the shift that's happened. We're now using Patriot Act rules against Americans because the, the Constitution says you have a speedy trial. You're a lawyer. The Constitution says that, and that's, but they're not getting it because of Patriot Act rules being used against Americans. That's what needs to change. Well, I totally agree that's a legal issue that needs to change. There is a mentality thing. It, there I is. think most people in government used to think we just don't do that here. Whatever the Patriot, we don't act this way. We don't treat our prisoners this way. But it's just, they're emboldened. By the, by the conduct and the attitude of the Biden administration. And by the way, I totally agree. This is Obama's third term. You know, and we, we, we can't hardly stand a fourth term. But it is an attitude shift that it isn't just one prosecutor or one judge. It has, it's like a cancer that has seeped its way into so much thinking on the American left. We just don't tolerate. That's right. It is a cancer and it is growing. But... We have an election coming. This is the time to correct it because we can't take a fourth term under Obama rules. Uh, and yes, you're absolutely right, but there is also a legal basis for what they're doing. I think an unconstitutional legal basis, but still a legal basis. Let's change the presidency. Let's change the DOJ. Let's change the FBI director, and we can change all of these things that people see are happening. Yeah, I mean, I, I am very hopeful. I will, first of all, you hear people say, and I'm sure you hear it too, in speeches you give in places you go, I do hear Americans saying, you know, America is over. I mean, they actually will say, inform patriots, America is over. I, there's nowhere to go. I just want to move away. I'm done fighting. We can't win. And I never, 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 never will agree to that. I mean, I'm the Churchill thing. Never, ever, ever, ever give up. There's a need to say, you know, whatever, how bad they are, this election's coming up. We have literally a majority in the country who do not like what the Biden administration is doing, and the people have to reassert themselves as the sovereign. As and the... your elected officials need to stand because we are your representatives, and we need more of our elected officials to stand and say enough. Uh, it may be, back to Bill Buckley, standing athwart history yelling, stop, yeah. because that's where <laughs> yeah. we ought to be, yeah. Yeah. standing here saying, stop. Okay, so what's the scoop on the border here? I will tell you, how you can imagine. Border experts, people down the border talking away about it. And again, this goes back, I I'm, actually am developing this thought as we're sitting here in the show, but the Biden administration will say the border's fine. What are you talking about? Border's fine, it's enforced. And yet all of these pictures, videos, officers who serve on the border, officers who served in the past on the border are screaming from the rooftops, explaining what's happening, showing the American people and the answer is an astonishing, everything's fine from the Biden administration. So let's just start with Mallorca. Should he be impeached? Absolutely. Dereliction of duty. Uh, let me be clear. The policy of the Biden administration is an open border. Yeah. It's not a mistake. I've been to the border twice, once at midnight with an activist, once uh, to the El Paso sector to talk to the agents, the landowners, the sheriff, the people in charge. It, this is not a mistake. This is not an error. This is a policy of the Biden administration. It destabilizes America. The fentanyl coming across, the sex trafficking come across, the thousands of Chinese military-aged males coming across. Uh, it is all a policy of the Biden administration to have an open border. Couldn't agree more. There was an article early on, one of the, oh, it was that right after the uh, pullout of Afghanistan. Some historian was writing about do not 
give the Biden administration credit or an excuse by saying, well, it might have been a mistake, it was a miscalculation. Understand, the withdrawal of Afghanistan was calculated and intended, as is his border policy, as is his COVID policy, as are all their policies. Right. And so what is Biden, is Biden trying to take down America? Not take it down, fundamentally change it, back to Obama's quote, fundamentally change it into tyranny as opposed to a republic. A republic, the people have the final say-so in a tyranny, uh, in a socialist, communist, whatever you want to call it. Pick your ism, but a tyranny-driven state, the government will be autonomous and sovereign. That's what they want. I do want to talk about that more because I have talked about the Biden administration. In fact, back to when Obama was in, I was doing my show on Salem Radio talking about Obama. These are not, his actions were not those of someone who believes in the idea of America and, and what America is all about. So you have Biden back doing all this. And what I keep wondering, trying to, you know, what percentage of Biden voters understand that? I mean, I, you, I, I think know, it's you, a greater percentage today because everybody's taking a three percent cut in their real wages. They've they're paying sixteen uh, percent more for must buys, groceries, rent, gas, those things like that. I think more of them now understand the danger because it has to be personal to the people. And I think we're getting to that point where every family understands how disastrous is it. You and I can talk about high level theory in Washington D.C. all day, but for most people, it's Main Street. It's not Wall Street. What am, I, what am I having to pay to live? Uh, what, am I, what are my children doing in school? Who's teaching my children? What, what does my gas cost me? Those everyday issues. Uh, how did Youngkin get elected governor of Virginia? He made the mama bears mad. Yeah, it was beautiful. So, you know, it's Main Street <laughs> that we need to focus on. I couldn't agree more. And there is, it, it's understandable, you know, for many people, especially you have, you know, kids in a job and, and all you're trying to do is make sure everyone gets to practice on time and is home for dinner and does their homework. You're just trying to keep your life rolling, especially the years your kids are growing up. That's, right. that's what your job is. Right. And only if it hits the front door and they say, actually, you know, you can't drive your car anymore because it is, um, you know, whatever, environmentally unfriendly because now we only have electric cars or because now your gas is going to cost you so much money you won't be able to use it, that they finally say, wait a minute, who, when do we agree to that? And, and then you get them engaged. And I wish it didn't have to be that, be that stark. Back to the border for a second. So mm -hmm. could Congress, is, with DHS, one thing is to try to get Mayorkas out of there, but is there a, a defund DHS effort? Well, 14, it's either 14 or 15 Texas Republicans signed a letter that says we will vote we will not vote any funding to dhs and unless we see substantive changes mayorkas gone we gave them a menu not that these are the ones but a menu mayorkas gone build the wall change the policies so that the agents can do their jobs substantive changes not just words changes and so i think that uh, and i i understand that the dhs bill department of homeland security bill may be one of the first we see when we get back next week if it is, I don't think it'll pass. Is that the one? I know Congressman Chip Roy was leading the charge on something related to DHS and funding. Is that, that, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a need to, I just think everything about the Biden administration, the people they chose to run all their agencies, they are all on the same warpath. They're all in the mental mindset. And they think they're going to accomplish it because the American people, it is kind of that Cloward Piven strategy. We're so overwhelmed. There's so many things they're doing to us at once. We can't even figure out what to. And so I, I, I think they are trying to throw everything against the American people they can to make this fundamental transformation. And, and I, I certainly hope that you're, you, you have confidence in America. I, I do think more American people are waking up. I just I want to feel confident we can stop this. Well, I think we're going to get a lot of media attention when we say, what happens? Is it gonna be a continuing resolution? Is it gonna be a long-term CR, a short-term CR? Are we gonna allow an omnibus to come to the floor of the House? McCarthy said no. Are we going to actually have a temporary pause in non-essential federal government activities? I don't know, but I think we're going to, we're, it's gonna be pretty exciting fall uh, through the appropriations process. I'm thrilled to hear that. And that is a whole other process where people are, you know, because of the way that the bills have been passed in recent years, there's never really the chance to dive in, ferret out, 
cut out certain things, but you got to do the continuing resolution happens just to keep government running and kind of everything stays the same, correct? Well, the government, let's talk about a, a temporary pause. The government shut down our economy. They shut down churches. Yes. They shut down schools. They shut down businesses. They destroyed thousands of small businesses. That was a shutdown on a massive scale. If we shut down, to use a word that I don't like to use, if we shut down the federal government, talking about Main Street, they might not even know it. Because we're going <laughs> to yeah. have enough revenue to pay Social Security, Medicare, interest on the national debt, and, and, and national defense. So Main Street may not even recognize it, except the media will be all over the conservatives. Oh, they will. Every time, no matter which party is in power, who's got the majority in the Congress, who's got the White House, if there's any problem with the budget not going through, it's always a conservative's fault. Always, but, always. You know, what happens is the conservatives or the Republicans always fold, too. I'm hoping this time we can stand our ground. So what are your top priorities? We are, you're nearing, you're in your first term, which, as I said when you started, the idea of starting in Congress your first term, <laughs> this time in American history, when we're, we have so much uh, passion and, and deep concern and division, and there you are. So what are your top priorities for the fall? Uh, the national debt is always my top priority, and that's the spending we're talking about. It's yep. not for you and me, Debbie. It's for our kids. It's for our grandkids. If we don't change the trajectory of this nation today, they will live in tyranny. Um, my second one is the southern border. We have got to get a handle of our border. Without a, a secure border, you don't have a nation. You just have a, a mob. And uh, my third is China. I truly believe that China, we're in a short window of danger. So with China, I know, didn't you just go to Taiwan? I was you... in Taiwan over the 4th of July. Okay, so you were there for what particular, were you pushing a particular uh, message from America? Or? Well, I've never been to the Far East. I was a Middle East and European military officer. So I went to China, uh, to Taiwan, to start learning about the China-Taiwan okay. issues, the microchips, what we're doing there, yeah. the defense of Taiwan. Uh, so we're $17 billion of equipment, weapons, that they have purchased that we're three years behind on. Uh, we're so, three years behind on delivering your state? Yes, they've paid for it. The, oh. So we're three years behind giving them the military weaponry to defend themselves that they've already purchased. Three years behind. I'm on the Foreign Affairs Committee, and foreign military sales goes through this committee. Chairman McCall, who's also a Texas Republican, yeah. uh, and many of us are concerned about that. We want to find a way to speed that up. Can you just get it from the Ukraine and bring it over to Taiwan? <laughs> Seriously? Like... <laughs> Maybe not exactly, but I mean, we keep sending Ukraine weaponry and all sorts of stuff. And anyway, okay. So uh, with China and the concerns there, you know, there were uh, efforts on the Trump administration to try to um, get Chinese companies, CCP-backed companies off of our stock exchange, kind of have us stop investing in the CCP. Are there steps Congress can, I mean, what, what would you want Congress to do about China? Uh, we're engaged in some of that to, to include land sales. Uh, because where they buy land is as important to me, uh, what they're invested in. But I will tell you, that is a hard nut to crack because Chinese investment is all across America. Yeah. Land is one thing near military bases, but getting the Chinese investment in America out is a very complex uh, because we also have freedom of investment here. So that's a tough nut to crack. But I will tell you the decoupling has happened. You don't see Chinese uh, tourists here much anymore. Uh, the decoupling is happening, but frankly, most of what you buy on Amazon today still has, has uh, Chinese roots. Uh, we're missing a, uh, a stoplight pole in Collin County in Fairview. Why? Can't get it because it's made in China. Uh, so, uh. you know, we still buy so much from China. Yeah. It's almost like we have to separate the defense, and we're building alliances in the Pacific from the commercial, which is still so complicated and so intertwined. Okay. I just suddenly took a look at the clock over there. This is amazing how fast it went by. Um, so if you would tell our listeners, if they want to follow you, I mean, they can go to your official congressional website, which is? KeithSelf.House.gov, and you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at that uh, website. Um, and we would love to hear from you. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, that's basically Rep Keith Self with the different uh, uh, lead-ins. 
Uh, I would appreciate you following me, and uh, we're going to have an exciting fall, so uh, stand by, buckle your seatbelt. That's a great message, and I want to repeat again for our listeners that this person I mentioned, Washington, he was really commending your you know, first term up there many times. People are first term, they kind of don't want to make waves, and you had a principled entrance and standing up and standing with a small group that got concessions out of the speaker, speaker's position, which gave more control to the entire body rather than just the speaker. There was a, a, great, a great step, uh, strong leader on the um, debt ceiling and just, just someone willing to stand for principle. So it was quite a compliment and I'm very glad you're my congressman. Thank you, Debbie. This is, uh, this is the time to do it. This is the time for everyone to stand. Be in the fight. Okay, my very fine friends, um, we are out of time today. I want to quickly tell you uh, that next week, our Thursday guest, Michael Quinn Sullivan, uh, he is the uh, Texas Scorecard, I think, founder. But in any case, the reason he's coming on, he just made a documentary called The Texas Heist. And I will put a link up for it. But the short story is The Texas Heist tells a story of how our Texas legislature manages to be run by the Democrats, the House, is even though we have Republican majority, or that's a shorthand way to say it, you have Democrat control of the Texas House, even though the voters chose Republican majority. He talks about the implications of that. So we have Michael Quinn Sullivan. The following week, we have Dr. Miriam Grossman, who is a New York City psychiatrist, who has written a book um, basically debunking all of the transgender ideology and talking about the truth about identity and gender. She's very brave, has spoken up and uh, received uh, much criticism from the left, but she's very articulate, very wise. She's, I'm bringing her to Dallas to do that show because I think the topic is so important. Many other great guests coming up. So again, I want to thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. Our show is America Can We Talk. You can watch it online at americacanwetalk.org and on Twitter and on Rumble and um, pretty much every place except YouTube. So I'd love to have you uh, share this show. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please share the show with your friends. And thank you again for tuning in to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear